Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Hi listeners, Stuart here from Thrive Today. You know, many people tune in to a Thrive podcast every week. We're really encouraged by the feedback we receive on how these podcasts are impacting people's lives in very real ways and equipping them as they grow in their faith. Now, our hope and desire is to continue to make these podcasts available for free. However, there is a very real cost to make this happen. This is where you can help us. If you'd like to contribute to assist us in meeting these ongoing production and distribution costs, then please join our listener support program with a monthly subscription. Now, you can do this very quickly and simply. Just go to thrivetoday.tv. That's our website, thrivetoday, one word, dot TV. At the top of the homepage, you'll see a button that says Donate. This will give you the option to support the Thrive Podcast with a donation of 5 or 10 or $50 per month. You can set your own support level. So we hope you'll consider supporting this ministry in this way. Again, to those who are monthly supporters, a huge thank you to you. Your contribution is helping us continue to provide these Thrive podcasts for free. So it's easy. Visit thrivetoday.tv, click on the donate button. We thank you for your support by tuning in, but also by contributing financially in this way. Now let's jump into this episode of Thrive Deeper with Matt. Starting to get a bit cooler, Matt. As we I love it towards winter, I know I love it, I Stu. You love it a bit cooler. Yep, uh, I like it that way too. Mm. Uh, I much prefer to try to keep warm than to try to cool down. So, uh, yeah, it's great. So here we are. We're um, in the podcast studio again, and we are uh, picking up our Thrive Deeper podcast as we continue through the book of John, the gospel Mm. of John. And uh, today we're going to be looking at um, John from chapter 11 through to chapter 15. Um, and this really focuses on the final days of Jesus before his crucifixion, uh, as well as obviously his continued teachings to the disciples. And there's some really key stuff in this block that we're going to try to cover today. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in here, you know. Um, sure is. From things simply like the shortest verse in the Bible to the raising yep. of Lazarus, the teaching on the <clears throat> Trinity, Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, the vine and the branches, and of course, significantly the great commandment. There's a heap in here. Yeah. And uh, and so we are going to need to move reasonably quickly through it. So Yeah. And, and the whole thing really is this climactic point. Yes, it uh, is. Every, it, everything becomes much more polarized and... Uh, and so does this sign. This is the this is the last of the signs of Jesus, and they are called signs uh, in, yep. in John's gospel. Yeah. And you know, it's the ultimate. It, it's the the raising of the dead, which is so significant, so symbolically significant, mm. because of this association with uh, sin and death, yes. and Jesus overcoming sin and therefore giving life in in many different senses. And so, this sign is particularly important as an indicator of who Jesus actually is—that he is the author of life. I mean, John's John has a strong emphasis on Jesus as the incarnation of God, the, the divine Jesus. Mm. And so this is this sign is so important in that it's the climax of Jesus' self-revelation. You know, I mean, John says at the beginning of his gospel, you know, we've seen his glory. And there's all of this stuff about witnesses as well, like through the, you know, the gospel and you know, Jesus talks about his signs bearing witness to him. Well, this is, you know, this 
raising of Lazarus is uh, is the sort of ultimate sign, particularly in a Jewish. Con- I mean, look mm. in any context. Yeah, goodness yeah. me, you know, yeah. the the ability to to give life to the to the dead, you know, is is incredibly significant. Yeah, absolutely. Apart from it being absolutely amazing, yeah. it's interesting. The the issue, of course, at the start of chapter eleven is this. The fact that Jesus waits, he hears that uh, Lazarus is sick, yes, and he waits. And in fact, you know, Jesus knows that he's going to get there days after actually Lazarus, Lazarus has, died. has died, because it's quite a journey. So, and this is an issue for Mary and Martha. Uh, it's this is a bit of a theme through this story. Why did you wait? You yeah. heard that Lazarus was sick, so why did you wait? And mm. and he's very close uh, to them. Yes, and of course, we as the readers. We sort of know where this is going, mm. and we know that Jesus is waiting so that there is an opportunity here to reveal his glory, right? Yes. This is what he's doing right through this gospel, because there's a real intentionality around this sign. Mm. And so he not only waits until Lazarus is dead, but he waits until Lazarus is, well, really dead. Yeah. You know, I mean... <laughs> Uh, and and so so he's in you know he's dead for a few days yes. by the time Jesus gets there. Yeah. This is significant too because it it sort of points forward to Jesus' own death and resurrection because it's not you know like Jesus died and then an hour later he rose up again. Mm. No, it was it was a matter of days, and so there's a connection here to make this sign really really clear. Yeah, and in fact it's pointed out that you know after a few days uh, you know Lazarus body has started decomposing yeah. essentially you know yeah. so yeah, um, just before yeah. we move past that you know uh, when when um, Jesus says let's go to Judea again and, and mm. that the, the other disciples are going hang on they're, they're trying to kill you there it's interesting that Thomas who's obviously yeah. doubting Thomas is the one yeah. who says no let's go and let's die with him you know the, the faith that he seems well, to it have depends. in that decision well, that depends well, how you, you read that yeah, yeah I think <laughs> okay uh, I think I think there's a bit of yeah, sarcasm in that. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, great, you know, because uh, it, it says, "Let us go that we may die with him." I, I think it's, I think he's sort of resigning himself. Okay, okay, <laughs> the, oh, great. Well, I'll take Let's the more positive the... approach. <laughs> you can take the more sarcastic one, but anyway. Yeah, we well, go. it was interesting because because I think the commentaries go either way on this uh, as well. Yeah, uh, okay. you know, there, there are some that take this as a bit of a resign, you know, sort of throwing up your hands, resignation. Great, right? right well, let's okay. go and we'll all die. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you one question yeah. then, just about that passage? And I know we've got to keep moving on. I really didn't understand the "Are there twelve hours in a day?" bit. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure I'm not the only silly one out there, but I, I just I'm trying to understand what that actually meant. Yeah, one of the things that I noticed is in the NIV, the, the NIV, the way that it renders that, um, it makes it seem so. So to uh, make clear what you're talking about, there I'll yeah, read it. Sorry, yes. Jesus answered. So they 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 say the disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews, uh, you know, seeking to stone you, right? And you're going, you're going to go. There again. There again. You're going to walk right into danger. So he says, are there not 12 hours in the day? Uh, if anyone walks in the day, uh, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. I mean, basically he's saying, we've just got to walk in the light, right? We've got to do what we've got to do. Right. It's the idea, your word is a lamp to my feet, you know, Psalm 119, yes. right? We've got to walk in the light. If you're with me, if you stay with me, you'll be fine um, because uh, it's... I'm going to do what's right. We, 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 don't, we don't walk forward to avoid danger. 
Mm. Right. So let's not stay in the dark just because it's safer. Right. No, we're going to walk in the light, right? Because yeah, this is this is where we need to go. But the distracting thing um, uh, in he says, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Now, in the NIV, I th- have you got the NIV? What, no, what? I'm an HSB. Or CSB, oh, 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 that's but, right. But it says the same thing. He sees the light of this world. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because in the NIV, it's the wor- the world's light. And it seems to emphasize the world's as though that's a bad thing. But actually, Jesus is the light of the world. Right. right. Yes. Uh, yeah. So okay. um, so that's where I, I found that NIV was just a, made it a little bit sound like, you know, this world's light, that that was a bad thing. Bad thing anyway, right. that's, anyway, that's move a detail. On. That's good. So that's the that's the idea of that. So um, so G- Jesus comes and you get this. I mean, you know, the the exclamation from uh, from Martha is, "Lord, if you had come sooner, he yeah. wouldn't have died. Why didn't you come sooner?" It's a, and this is this is important because there's a real grief around death. They've t- been through this terrible experience. Like mm. they've mm. they've been mourning now for four days yeah. for their dear brother, mm. and and there's an element. That they they're feeling like this is a little bit cruel. Like you heal everyone else, yes. And uh, why why couldn't you come here and heal a person that you love? And this is a family that he knew really well because he probably stayed with them every time yeah. he came back for the feast right. at Jerusalem. So these weren't just some random people. These are people that he had really close. They were family. Really. That's right. Yeah. And and the and the sort of in a way that idea is connected. You know the story of Elijah who stayed with the uh, yes. the, the the uh, Phoenician woman yes. and. And because he stayed with, you know, because she gave uh, her home to a prophet, you know, he, you know, her son was able to be healed. Um, You know, so there's this sense of, you know, we have accommodated you. And and so therefore, why wouldn't you do what even Elijah did Mm. for for even a non-Israelite, you know? So so I think this is, uh, you know, there's a real sense of complaint around this. Uh, you know, and, and and even from the reader, you know, man, he, he's letting them go through a lot of grief, you know, uh, even if he would have arrived an hour after Lazarus, you know, he yeah, just yeah. would have saved a lot of grief, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but actually, all of this is in uh, is, is for, for, so that they see his glory and so that they also so that he can perform a sign because he's also going to speak through what he does. And that's. What the sign is going to indicate is indicated in verse 25 of chapter 11. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's This is what the, he's making explicit. Mm. I'm going to do something amazing. And it's not just a fancy trick. This is a sign of who I am yeah. uh, and, and what I do. Interesting and, in my translation, it goes, we'll never die Ever, because of course Lazarus would die again. Yes, that's right. And so it's important. Jesus is trying to make the distinction here that that although I'm going to raise Lazarus, yeah, uh, he will die again. But in the last yeah. day, when I raise him, they will never die. Ever. Yeah, yeah. Now the interesting thing here, Stu, is that Jesus isn't coming in all nonchalantly, like just you know, like nice and relaxed mm. and unfazed by the whole thing, and and all. No. Actually, uh, you mentioned the shortest verse in the Bible yes. is uh, 11 verse 35, uh, which says Jesus wept. I mean, he, he it's the context is, um, mm. you know, when he goes to the, to the body and it goes to the tomb, mm. he, he weeps. So mm. there's still this, you know, like he knows that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knows that ultimately Lazarus will enter eternal life, but he still weeps at death because death is just bad. And 
and well, what's, not, yeah, what it, the, the, what death has done to our that's know, right. sin has done uh, in in, yeah. our, in our lives, corrupted our lives, so that death. And and I mean, he's seeing these people he loves, Mary and Martha, weeping. Yeah, and he's feeling <clears throat> their pain, you know, because yeah. it's it's not the way it was designed to be. Yeah, I think here it's not just about it. It is. I think it is. It's, it's he's sharing their pain, but I think it's more because it's when he comes to the tomb that uh, that he he weeps. So um, and he said. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come, you know, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly yeah. troubled. Okay, yeah. so that's, uh, and he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And it's at that point. So, so yes, there's this, he's, he is certainly that, that dimension yeah. of him uh, sharing their grief. So he's yes. grieving with them. I think that's really important because Jesus shares our grief. Yeah. When we grieve, he is grieved at our grief. You know, that his identification with us is so intimate that he, he directly shares mm-hmm. our grief. But there's an extra element to this in that Jesus laments this whole situation, the fact that death has this hold on humanity. I mean, this, this grieves him as well. And this grieves God, this, because we weren't created for death. We were given the tree of life. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's a whole sort of biblical background theology behind this. So I think that's, that's really significant. Yeah, so we have this amazing miracle. Uh, he, he prays, uh, before and, uh, and then he calls Lazarus, Lazarus out. And, um, there's this connection with, you know, Ezekiel chapter 37, where God says to Ezekiel in the valley of the dry bones, yeah. prophesy to the dry bones, right? And say to them to live. So this sense, sense of calling them out. There's this real authority in this, in, in that Jesus calls them out. The way that, and, and the difference there between Ezekiel prophesying to the dry bones and Jesus calling Lazarus out, there's just something, there's something characteristically divine about that Both, call. Yeah. It's God who calls. And, and so again, here we have this sign of the ultimate sign in, God, in John's gospel yeah. of the divinity uh, of oh, Christ. Christ. Now, the question is, how do people respond? Well, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people are, are amazed at this. They go, this is, this is uh, according to John, this is the thing that really uh, gets the crowds moving. Yeah. And, and they're, they're Polarization. Yep. Yeah, and, but it polarizes, of course. Yeah, Correct. Because yep. uh, Jesus attains this huge following, mm-hmm. and this exacerbates the issue for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Mm-hmm. In different ways. So just mm-hmm. to explain, the, the Pharisees were the sort of spiritual leaders in a sense. The Sadducees were the more the administrative. They were the priests, mm-hmm. so they ran the temple, but they were also the ruling class, the Sadducees. Mm-hmm. Now, the Sadducees didn't want trouble with the Romans. They didn't want unrest because actually the Romans backed their leadership position. Yeah, so those two together were known as the Sanhedrin. That's correct? right. Correct. Yeah, yeah, so two, they, yeah, they, they were collectively the known as the Sanhedrin. Yeah. And I think the the Romans had given them quite a lot of power. In fact, yeah. pretty much all power yeah. to rule except for capital punishment. Yeah, they couldn't that's do right. That, which, of course, is why they needed yeah. Pilate to make the, the, the statement. So, of course, they are... Going, hang on, we are going to get, we're going to lose our position of authority yeah. if the Romans see this unrest. Yeah. We've got to yeah. figure out how we're going to deal with yeah. this. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Caiaphas, you know, if, uh, well, we're going to hear from Caiaphas a little, a little later. He's the, but he actually makes a prophecy. That's right. He makes a prophecy. At this point right here. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's right. In this. Uh, uh, this is verse 49. You're not considering that it is you, your advantage that one man should die for the people rather than the whole nation perish. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. And he's not talking about. 
and from his context, he's not talking about obviously mankind. He's talking about the Jewish nation and protecting our authority within Roman rule. Yeah, it's better we get rid of this guy. Yeah, and we can carry that's on right. how we are. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And in the as you say, he prophet he, you know, essentially prophesies the fact that Jesus is going to die and the, the significance and the of significance Jesus' death. Of yeah. It, yeah. This has this polarizing effect, and this is big in John. You know, there, there, there are the crowds now. When he comes into Jerusalem, oh, just before we get there, yeah, the, um, Mary, there's a lot of prophetic things going on here. So Caiaphas makes this sort of prophetic statement, despite himself somewhat, and then um, Mary uh, pours this really expensive. Perfume okay. over Jesus' feet, interesting, not on his head, mm. but over his feet, and so that is kind of associated with burial, and and, and it's you know it's an act of devotion on on her part, and, you know, yep, because yep. she is essentially, uh, and and you know, I mean, she's wiping his feet with her hair. This is like uh, almost on the edge of being controversial because women, well, women weren't always allowed to keep their hair tied the, up. Yeah, they were exactly. meant to keep the, keep their hair tied and up. Maybe her, maybe her, in a sense, making the statement, "I don't care what other people think." Yeah. This is my Lord and Savior. That's right. You know? Whereas yeah. the issue of what other people think becomes a big issue, a big issue now from here yeah. uh, for the disciples, but everyone else, because mm-hmm. you know, at one stage it talks about you know a lot of people believed in Jesus, but they didn't want to be open about that because they were afraid of the yeah. Pharisees. Right? But she doesn't care. She's yeah. just so devoted to Jesus. Th- there's there's a comparison here because on the one hand she is. She's making this prophetic, and as Jesus interprets her act as a prophet prophecy, essentially of that he's going to die, and so she's anointing him effectively for her death. But it also brings to the surface the one who's going to be instrumental yes. in that death, uh, and so you get this comparison between Mary's devotion and um, and Judas's sort of pragmatic approach. Now, his pragmatic approach. And this, you know, it's interesting with Judas. <laughs> you can, we can sort of try to guess what's going on in in the background, and and you can sort of imagine because we know the struggles the disciples had with all this stuff that was happening. I mean, even yep. you know Peter's struggling with the fact that Jesus is going to suffer, you know, mm-hmm. going to suffer, and this is, this is was not their idea of what a Messiah does. Now, so it's not much of a stretch to think that they all just hang in there. Although, I mean, Peter. Peter sort of falls over the edge as well. I mean, he's he's brought back by his repentance. Yeah, by right? his repentance. Mm. But so it's in a way, it's not surprising that that one of them just ditches and says, "This is just, yeah. this is ridiculous." Or, yeah. or maybe you know, does Judas want to force Jesus into a confrontation mm. with the Jewish leaders? Mm. Is this is this what he's trying to do? He's trying to, you know, thinking it, it, maybe is this how how he justifies it in his own mind? I'm going to give Jesus over. Is there this ambition thing going on because he really wants? Because he thinks from the start that he's you know I'm part of the winning I'm part of the winning team here and now it doesn't look, look like, like we're, we're winning, winning so yeah. maybe will I force out of my ambition now whatever the the case John emphasized the fact that it's satan at work in his heart but remember you know satan doesn't uh, force us to do things satan can only lure us into certain things and so it's the attitudes and probably this ambition and and so forth in judas that is giving satan this foothold in a sense so anyway one can conjecture about what's it's going on it's a bit like you know god set them free to the desires of their heart yeah which was not good which is a, you know the same thing that happened with the jewish people where i think we come later where that they can't see they can't hear they don't believe it's not because god prevented them from believing it's because he gave them over <clears> to the <throat> desires of their heart and yeah. they chose 
chose not to. One one thing just before we move out of that, he makes the statement, uh, leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. So that yep. speaks directly to what you So for you have always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. And I know some people have kind of said, well, this is why the church shouldn't be focusing so much energy on social justice and the poor. It should be much more on the evangelical mm. kind of gospel message. But I think that verse is more Jesus saying, in this moment, I'm here. This is what's most important in this right moment. Now, yeah. Correct. So, uh, so that it, it's interesting actually that talk about the polarization. So the Jewish leaders even are going to try and kill Lazarus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, Evidence because he's the living proof <laughs> of, right. of of who Jesus is. So yes. we, we're going to have to kill him, him as, well. as well. Oh man, it's you know, uh, it's crazy. In the midst of that, then we have this. We have the triumphal entry, and it's interesting that the the you know this is this becomes. A, a sort of victory parade. And this is something that's very familiar uh, to people in those days where, you know, with a, with a ruler yeah. coming back from victory, yeah. mm. they would, you know, they would ride in, in great procession on their war horse, mind you, because yes. victories are won by wars. So they'd be on, 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 a, on horseback. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the palm branches and everything would be, uh, you know, would be laid down, it would be waved around. And mm. so there's a victory parade. But interestingly, Jesus is going to, and this is, so there's so many prophetic things going on here, one after another. You've got, you know, the anointing of Caiaphas before that. And then you've got this victory, this sort of spontaneous victory parade uh, with with this twist, right? <laughs> this is some, I find this amazing, Stu. Like, it's this victory parade and and Jesus embraces that. He'll let that happen because, yes... He is going to win the victory, but he's going to do that through his death, right? He knows that as he's riding into Jerusalem, he is going to his death, right? But he's he's willing to go, he's willing to ride in, in victory parade, Mm. right? Mm. It's Mm. like this victory procession to his death. That is just, it's this incredible moment. And not only that, but he's not riding in on a war horse, he's riding in on a donkey, Donkey. right? Uh, so it's he he comes as a man of peace, not as a man of war, and through peace and through sacrifice, the victory is won. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an incredible yeah. prophetic declaration uh, of of what's going on here. It's interesting uh, that there are some Greek people in Jerusalem at the time, and they come and uh, they will they actually they want to speak to Jesus. And so they go to Philip, who was from Bethsaida. Mm. You know, that, that's in a more Gentile area. Philip is a Greek name. So they're sort of appealing appealing to him. And I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but th- this is characteristic of the way that John, uh, the, the way that John narrates interactions. Let me put it this way. That someone asks a question and Jesus gives a reply that seemingly has nothing to do with what they're talking about. You get these cryptic replies, like, what is he talking about? Yeah, yeah that doesn't even answer yeah. the question. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, they, um, so Philip goes and, uh, well, Philip tells Andrew and Andrew tells Jesus that these Greeks are wanting to, to, to see him. And he says, and then Jesus answered, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it what? Yeah. There's just some crew. They want to here talk to you. Wanting to talk to you. Do you want to talk to them or not? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. What's it an answer? Yeah. And but this is an answer, right? Because everything at this point is has this prophetic significance, right? So mm-hmm. what he's saying is, right now, 
you know, the the good news is going to go out to the Gentiles. Mm. It is going to happen. Uh, so, because he says down, um, he says, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, yes. will draw all people from myself, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, to, to myself, myself I should yeah. say. But what he's saying is that now my mission is to go to my death. Uh, yes. And uh, that's, you know, it, it's... It's it's a mission amongst my own people. Yeah. So I'm dealing with my own people right now, and then the gospel's going to go out to, mm. uh, to to the Greeks. So he's not shunting them, and, and they may have. We, we don't know whether he had interactions, but the point is, what John focuses on is the lesson that comes through that. Yes. He's less interested in the sequence of events than yeah. in the lessons that that Jesus is bringing. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, because of good. course, when John is writing. Uh, man, already by that stage, it spread probably you know as far as Spain and even into India and uh, yeah. you know all over the place. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so you get this. Um, it's interesting that it says in verse thirty-six. We're still in chapter twelve. Yeah. Better keep moving, Stu. Just a verse here it says he departed and hid himself from them. Um, you know, though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. It's it's just interesting that even the raising of a dead man is not going to convince anyone yeah, yeah. who doesn't want to be convinced. Yes, and so that's the point of polarization. Is really what he's bringing out is some are willing, some are not willing, and that is what really it's the willingness to surrender ourselves to God and what God is doing. It's it's a matter of the will. It's not just whether you can or can't believe. It's yeah. a matter of whether you will or won't believe. Yeah. So you know that that becomes again. The key I idea. know we got to keep moving. A couple of quick things that I yeah. thought were important here too. Just in, in terms of um, you know, if you love your life, you'll lose it. If you verse twenty five, the one who loves his life will lose it, and the one yeah. who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You know, I think that kind of is a, a use some of that up in a slightly different way. The worst thing that could happen to us is that we end up happy without God. And yeah. So in a sense, if if life if we're loving life without God, mm. then we're missing the most important thing in the reality is yeah. we'll lose it ultimately. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. He's not saying we can't be happy in our life. Uh, yeah. but the other thing I just want to note and that's And that, by the way, is in the context of him saying the time is – he doesn't actually say the time has come for me to die. No. Because remember, there's just been a victory parade. He, he actually refers to his death as his glorification, yes. which is really interesting because – you know, in reading the gospel, we're seeing his miracles as the manifestation of his glory. But for Jesus, there's even a greater manifestation than that yeah, that's right. yet to come, mm. right? And it's his sacrificial death mm. is going to be the ultimate manifestation of his glory. Yeah. Amazing. There you go. And the last thing is just how quickly the polarization is happening because the Hosanna thing with all the crowds, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, within days, it's crucify him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Within days. You know, yeah. this is not months before. Yeah. This is within days. It's yeah, that's just right. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it is amazing. It, yeah. It moves. Yeah. Chapter 13? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go into chapter 13 because uh, this sort of echoes, you know, Mary's devotion and humiliation uh, here. And, 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 it's, and this is this, this famous story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Yeah. Now, again, this is a, an example of where we know something so well, we actually lose how incredible. Incredibly uh, important. important, and and how countercultural this is. Mm. How mm. Um, how it's it's almost shocking, yeah. you know. Now um, it was the role of the lowest of the servants to, to wash the feet yeah, not only just because there was a bit of a rank amongst servants. It was the lowest servant. It was the kid that's just you know that, that's just. I mean, it, yeah. It, it, 
so and yet Jesus is taking that position and he's washing. Now, now there's again there's something prophetic about this because and he points this out. Peter's shocked. It's yes. always Peter, isn't it? Yes. Uh, he's just struggling to get this right. Uh, and, and you know, Jesus, again, is declaring, this is how the world is going to change, right? Remember, he's ridden in on a donkey. He's mm. going to his death, death. right? Yeah. So he's giving his life up for, you know, for he's giving his life for the world, right, mm. for, for human beings. And, and so this is a prophetic act that underscores the fact that the Son of Man, as as he says elsewhere, the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so, you know, he is depicting that. He's washing. He's turning feet. everything upside down. He's turning everything upside down, right? Yeah. So this is what leadership looks like. But it's not just it's not just about leadership. It's mm-hmm. about how the world is going to change, yeah. right? Yeah. We're going to change the world by serving the world, mm-hmm. um, not by trying to. Lord it over the world and exercise Moral human yeah, yeah human power mm. and 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 force and mm. no it's through service and sacrifice that things are going to change yeah. so this is a declaration of that but it's also because he's washing their feet there's this sense of what he's going to do how he specifically is going to serve uh, and that is to bring this cleansing from sin um, and that's why when when you know, Peter objects and Jesus says, look, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me, mm. which is uh, a statement about the the fact that his act of sacrifice is going to be an act of expiation of sin. So, you know, to achieve washing from guilt. Yes. Peter says, well, then wash me all over. It's classic, man. Yeah. He's, he, he's <laughs> rambling. One extreme to the next. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a classic. I like Peter in, in a way. But boy, oh, boy. And Jesus says, "No, it's sufficient that I just, I just wash, you know, wash your feet." So again, he's because if if I wash your feet, then the whole man is is clean. Mm. So I mean, he's pointing to this act as a prophetic act, right? I'm going to make the whole person clean. Uh, this by is what serving. my yeah by yeah. serving. Um, so and and then it's in the context uh, of that again that you get this polarization effect because it's in the context of this meal he's having this intimate meal you know um think of uh, psalm 23 you prepare my table in the presence you you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and so it's you know he's he's having this supper with judas there participating in in this supper and you know he he even says at one point, you know, what you've what you've got to do. Okay, go do it. You know, what is what I mean? What is Judas thinking? Maybe this is this is where I wonder. I mean, this is what my conjecture again. <laughs> where, where, you know, this is where I wonder: is Judas thinking? Uh, if you know, because if Judas is wanting to force a confrontation, then you know, maybe he thinks, oh, maybe Jesus is okay with this or, or yeah, he just doesn't, he doesn't no. really, uh, really get this. No. But then uh, he would have had to have missed all of the previous, just what yeah. we were just talking about. The fact that we haven't come to take yeah. the world that way. We've come to take it this way yeah. on a donkey, serving, washing feet. Exactly. You know? And I think that's, I think that's part of the reason why Judas, because the interesting thing between so both Peter and Judas betray in, Jesus. in different yeah. ways, they do betray Jesus. Yeah. But Peter is restored, and I think one of the reasons is I feel like eventually Peter gets the grace thing. See, Jesus has come on a mission of grace. Now, what Judas would have wanted is the the military Messiah, the judgment, yeah, the, to come in judgment, mm-hmm. right? And now, if if all you're on about is judgment, then when he realizes that he's betrayed his Messiah, because remember, 
Judas commits suicide after yes. this. He yes. realizes he's got it wrong. This is why this is why I think that he thinks he thinks that he's maybe serving the mission. Yeah, maybe serving the mission. At mm. least now it's his really ambition. Yes. This is the thing. But yeah. but when he realizes that he gets it wrong, because he hasn't he hasn't understood the whole grace thing, right? So yeah. there's no grace for him. Yeah. When, when and he whereas I think Peter does finally get it and he's able to be mm. restored. Only just, I mean, you know, I mean, he goes back to fishing. So basically, Peter gives up. P- Peter's uh, probably feels completely disqualified in the end. Uh, but there's that at the end of John's gospel, John uh, points out how he's reinstated and so forth. But we'll get there. Be interesting uh, to know whether Jesus washed Judas's feet. But anyway, let's yes. move on. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I think it's assumed that he does. Okay. Yep. yep. I think it's assumed. Uh, because he washes his disciples' feet and Judas mm. is there uh, as a part of that. Then we get this. Now, the interesting thing in John, what John gives us that the other the synoptic gospels don't give us, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, don't give us much of what Jesus says in the upper room. John gives us this long um, uh, discourse, uh, this piece of teaching mm. that is just uh, beautiful, really. It's uh, him, you know, first of all, him even now more explicitly identifying as the incarnation of God. God so there's yep. this, you know, Philip says to him, you know, show us the Father, and that would be enough for us. And Jesus said to him, uh, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Mm. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And then you get this, all of this teaching around the coming of the, yeah. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But what's interesting there, were you were going to say something? Probably should just mention the the great commandment that came in right at the end of chapter thirteen because you're moving now into chapter four. I am, yes, I'm scooping forward. Sorry, I know you are, but I, f- I feel like that's an important one, which yep. is you know, like you were saying before, the way we're going to change the world is by demonstrating our love for one another. Yep. And you know, that was Jesus <clears throat> was saying, this is the great greatest commandment really is love yep. one another as I've loved you, and by that, the world yeah. will know you, you're my disciple. Which is so. interesting because that, that's when he predicts Peter's yes. denial. So. Yes. You know, it, it sort of exacerbates Peter's offence. Now, see, this this is important. Uh, I think this is important, Stu, in John's era. So he's, you know, we think John's writing his gospel, you know, 80s, 90s, yep. somewhere late in the period. By this stage, persecution is definitely wound up, yes. right? So yep. there's a lot of pressure on Christians to essentially deny Christ. Mm. Now, I think one of the comforts that this story provides is that for those who gave way, there is this restoration. Because I don't think we can imagine the kind of pressure that there was uh, to deny your faith mm. in in that time, mm. and and yet, it, you know, it, even though the you know, the theme of the importance, because this is a theme through here, the importance of being willing to identify with Jesus, that is a theme here. Um, so that's really important. And yet Peter doesn't, and yet he's restored. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, it's really important that you that you don't deny that you bear witness to Jesus. That's a big theme in John. Yeah. Peter doesn't, but still he's restored. Sorry. I think there's yeah. a wonderful element of grace, grace here. Yeah, great. Sorry, moving on then. Well, in a way, this you know this next point is is kind of related to all of that because um, I'm going to scoot down to uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit in verse 15. So verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another, and the word there is helper, in, in the ESV, it's some tr- translation. What have you got in your translation? Counselor. Counselor. Uh, some have comforter. 
the word, the Greek word there is paraclete. Paraclete. Now, um, I think helper, uh, counselor is, I think that's good too. It's, it's a very difficult word because, mm. and there's lots and lots of discussion as to why he uses this word. And I think, um, I think the, the, the sense here is that he's using a forensic term. And this is important, um, because there's lots of, courtroom imagery that starts to emerge here and the paraclete was your was your defense your intermediate your, your mediator right uh, the one that Advisor. that yeah that that in a sense represents you mm. um yeah your advisor intermediate mm. and and it's and and it's kind of is set off against um in in a, in a courtroom it's set off against it's a term that stands in opposition to the accuser. So there's the accuser, right. okay, okay, and then there's the paraclete, your your defender right. in a sense, right, uh, and the one who intercedes for you and 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 so forth. And so because because of the context too, you know, there's a lot of opposition and uh, and there's a lot of opposition from the Jewish leadership. Jesus is going to go and be taken into trial and so forth, and. Um, and so there's this idea here that, you know, the Holy Spirit, um, it's the, the counselor is good in the sense that he's, it's, it's a nicely ambiguous term in the sense that he does, there's the defense thing, but there's also, um, uh, the counselor in the sense that he, because Jesus says that he will remind you of all of the things I've said, right? Yes, so, yeah, yeah. so he, it, it's this advisor role as well, as well as this defender role, standing against the accuser, reminding you that you are under grace, that you are forgiven. It's mm. the intermediary mm. role. Um, the idea of angelic intermediaries was was not. Unknown. In fact, it was uh, the, the first century Jews put a lot of emphasis on the intermediate role of Michael, who, who yes. uh, you know, again stood against Satan's accusations and so forth. And yeah. so there's this kind of in the background as well. It's, so this is not an unknown idea, uh, you know, at, at this point. And and I think it's I think it's beautiful because there's this sense in which you know the Holy Spirit brings God's judgment, so He brings conviction. As well, I was just going to say because we've. Yeah. it's interesting then that we use the word conviction. Yeah, when that's we talk right. about the Holy Spirit. Mostly, we say the Holy Spirit will convict. Yeah, us. that's right. Not con- see, we don't say accuse. We no, say convict. convict. Mm. Um, and, and in a sense, what what we see, and this comes out in chapter sixteen, when you know Jesus says that, that the Holy Spirit will come to convict the world of you know of, of its sin, essentially. Yeah. So, but the the point there is that the Holy Spirit brings both judgment and salvation into our hearts. Like we do this business with God. It, he, he uncovers our sin, but then brings forgiveness and then uh, kind of stands as an advocate, right. uh, witnessing to our spirit, as Paul says, that we are children of God, that we have been forgiven, uh, that our sin has been paid for. And in that sense is the advocate, you know, mm. and therefore is the source of our empowerment as mm. well. Reminding so, us how we should therefore live. I yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot going on uh, in this uh, in in this term, Stu. He then goes on to use this illustration of the vine, um, and this is this is already well known. This is, this has been a way of uh, of characterising Israel uh, yes. being seen as uh, as as the sort of vine, and and Jesus is saying, "I I am the vine, you are the branches." 
and he emphasizes the fact, because remember, in the light of having talked to them about the Holy Spirit, he now is saying, it's a bit, he's, he's still on the same topic. He hasn't changed the subject. He's talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, mm. about how the Holy Spirit would help them. And now he's saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. So remain in me and, uh, and, and you will be able to bear good fruit. fruit. Now, the interesting thing here, th- this, is, this is important because the ability to bear good fruit in this next season, God does want us to do good things. He does want us to do things. There's a mission ahead, yeah. but there's no way that we can do that apart from him. Yes. And, and I was thinking about this, Stu, and thinking that it, it, it's such a strong statement. Apart from me, you can do, do nothing. nothing. Well, we, we can, there are lots that we can do. Is there? Yes. In a sense. That's part I mean, of the everyone problem, does it? stuff yeah. apart from God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but really what he's saying here is that you can do nothing of ultimate Eternal significance, significance, nothing that is actually going to win in the way that I want to win. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because because there is, there's a spiritual battle going on here. And apart from me and, and the power of my Holy Spirit, you can actually get nowhere. So yeah. all of your speaking will just be empty words. It'll just fall to the ground, yes. right? Yeah. But through the Holy Spirit, they will they will. Demolish strongholds, yeah. honestly, you know. Yeah. So, so he's, you know, he's saying if you want to bear the kind of fruit that I, it's not just about keeping law or no. Now, if to to be a fruitful vine, you need to remain in me. Mm-hmm. Now, he had already said things like Jesus had modelled this in the sense that he says, "I do only what I see my Father's doing." doing. And it, I mean, he says here, you, "You're going to do greater things even mm-hmm. uh, than that," and and that's because, in a sense, it's Jesus still working through us by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, it's yes. Christ in yeah, us, as right. Paul says. Yeah. And and so notice he says that... Verse 7. Uh, yeah, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He says that uh, up in uh, verse, verse 14 yeah. as well, chapter, chapter 14. 14. Yep. He says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And you think... Oh, okay. I'd love a Ferrari and I'd like to, you know, no, no. Uh, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, it's very much purpose focused. It's yes. like, it's, it's, it's not just an open promise for whatever we want. It's mm. again, this is again, he's qualifying this by putting this in the context of being grafted into the vine. Mm. And he's saying that the outflow of our prayer is going to be an expression of the Holy Spirit within us. And, uh, but and God's the, going to be faithful to but that. But doesn't the term name carry much deeper meaning than we would ascribe to it today? And name actually speaks to character. It speaks to consistency with who Jesus was, not just his name, Jesus. A bit like uh, a bit like the commandment, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. That just doesn't mean you don't use Jesus as a swear word. It means don't ruin my reputation. Don't take yeah, my reputation right. and use it in vain. So that's right. it, part of that is is that part of this perhaps as well? Well in terms uh, of the context of the word name. Here? Yeah, well because he says down in verse sixteen as well and that whatever you ask the Father in my name yes. he may give you. So to do something in the name of someone else is about representing them, not ourselves. Yes. So to do something or to ask oh, in Jesus' great. name yeah. is not about me getting what I want. Because mm. in that instance, if I am asking in Jesus' name, I am not actually seeking myself, yes. seeking my own ends. Yeah, right. Otherwise, I'm not asking in Jesus' name, yep. right? So, so if I if I pass a message on in your name, right? I'm, I've got to think about what what it what is I that want you to want to say. do, what yeah. what you want to achieve, right? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I'm not right. doing it in your name, right? Yeah, yeah right. So this is that's you great. know what he's saying is that. Uh, if you know, if if you 
adopt my purpose and act in my in my stead, which mm. we have the opportunity to do. Mm. In fact, we're called to actually live in Jesus' name. We're called to be representatives of Jesus. So it's not about what we want. It's about what Jesus wants. And he says, if you ask in my name, that's the key thing, mm. I will give you uh, yeah. whatever you ask. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's so that's, that's the key thing. As there. you often say, God's promises are for God's purposes. So. And of course, then he warns them, uh, it's going to get really rough. The yes, world's going to hate does. you because uh, yeah. you're going to go uh, against the current. The polarization effect, to finish with this, this thought, Stu, because I think this is the big picture that comes through here. There's been so much imagery, even through the section that I've read, there's so much. Uh, he keeps using this imagery of the light, the light, the light, the light. Now, as we know, when the light shines, the shadows get darker. So you get this sense of polarization again. Okay, the brighter the light, the darker the shadows. Mm, the contrast. And that's right. There. And you yeah. see Jesus bringing out the best and the worst. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He stirs our hearts up when he comes into our hearts. And he brings out the best and the worst in order that we can deal with the worst, that he can bring out, then bring out the best. And make us fruitful. This is the this is essentially what the Holy Spirit is going to do in us, but He's also going to do it through us as well, to have this sort of polarizing effect to shine as light. But it's also going to stir up things. Uh, it's going to stir up a world of evil, and that's a world of evil that we cannot, in our own strength, ever deal with. Which is why it's so so important, as Jesus says, you must remain in me. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. And that's what life's all about. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive.